Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. As Christians, we ought to be growing and maturing in our walk with Jesus Christ our Lord. As we grow, however, we need to be kind and loving and considerate to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are not as strong in their faith. Do you have a lifestyle of loving your brothers and sisters in Christ and bearing with their immaturities, looking to consistently build them up in their devotion to Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 15 and learn how to, quote, bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Well, good evening and welcome to another teaching. It is a Tuesday evening here in Texas and uh, <clears throat> man, we're here in the studio and the sun is going down and Stephen likes natural light. So uh, we're, uh, we're going to knock this out. We're in uh, Romans 15 today and um, Lord willing, we'll do verses like one to like one to 16 if we get that far. So thank you, Lord Jesus. But uh, man, it's been good. Two more chapters of Romans, and uh, I mean, we will have that book bow tied. Um, as I've said several times, I mean, it it really does feel like, you know, we could do, you know, 200 teachings. I don't know if it's going to be 40, 45, 50 teachings by the time we're done, but I mean, the book really is just the overwhelming. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we we thank you, Father, for our Bible. We thank you, Father, for this book of Romans, Lord. Golly, Father. But above all, as always, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen, and we worship you today, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, 
Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So there's a lot there. Um, again, these principles, again, Paul is writing on how we are to live our lives, how we are to live in relationship with other believers. Um, and it's it's something, again, that we really, really do need to work on because there are so many different denominations, you know, uh, in in Christianity, uh, some 1100 now, because we're, we're so divided, you know, we have, you know, we have material issues, you know, in the church. We need to get to a place where we can agree on the essentials and just to agree to love one another and, uh, you know, bless one another in the non-essentials. And uh, it appears that really no one is good at that. It's just something we have not done well is follow these exhortations. So forgive us, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus. All right. Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Okay, so if if you believe that, that you're a Christian and that you're a mature Christian, meaning you have walked with Jesus Christ intentionally, you have a, a serious and consistent devotion to Jesus Christ. You spend time in the scriptures and in prayer and in praise and worship and in thanksgiving and repentance. Um, you, you use your time, your gifts, your talents, your money consistently in the service to the kingdom of God. Jesus is consistently on your mind and on your lips. Now, this is what it means to be a mature Christian. So when you hear me say that, if you would say, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know that I'm doing all those things that much, then yes, you very well, you know, may be a Christian if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But all the things I said are the lifestyle of someone who is a mature Christian and is, is continuing to grow in their walk with Jesus, growing to know Jesus more, growing to be like him more. Our relationship with Jesus and our maturity in Jesus grows as we spend more time with him. And again, we do that by all the things I just said, by spending time daily in the scriptures, by spending time in prayer throughout the day. Again, you can pray 10, 15 times a day. It's just literally talking to Jesus, talking to your heavenly father, talking to the Holy Spirit. And again, it can be for 10 seconds. It can be for 15 or 20 seconds. You spend time throughout the day in thanksgiving and praise. You spend time in repentance throughout the day, meaning, you know, where you're sensitive to, 
to just things that 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 aren't as they ought to be, or or perhaps a you know a certain disposition you might have, or, or thought process, or perhaps you were in irritation too long, and so repentance is just simply coming to to your heavenly Father, coming to Jesus, and just agreeing and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I ask you to ask you to forgive me. I ask you to to help me to live in a or to live and to think and to speak in a way that's pleasing to you, right? Um, <clears throat> You know, having times of, uh, of fellowship and community with other believers, building up other believers. These are the kind of things that, that a mature Christian is doing throughout each day. Okay, so you can kind of measure yourself to see, am I a Christian who you could, who could say is a mature Christian? Now, we spend all of our lives growing and becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more mature in our walk with Christ. And Paul says, we who are strong, and that means that who are strong in faith and are mature in our walk with Jesus, someone who's doing consistently and daily all the things that I've said, right? Um, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is profound. So, you know, if you are a mature Christian today, if you are pursuing Jesus Christ, if you do have a lifestyle of doing these things consistently day in and day out, and again, I'm not saying all day, I'm simply saying that Jesus is on your mind and you're looking to grow with him and walk with him in all the ways that I spoke of, um, and you're beginning to do that more and more and more and more, then yes, you are someone who's walking with Jesus, you're, you're strong in your faith, you're maturing in your walk with Christ. It says that we or strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse two, each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So again, if, if you're, if you're strong in your walk with Jesus today, if, you know, again, if you're a strong Christian, let alone if you're a Christian leader or a minister or a pastor or an elder, then, you know, and, and, you are consistently around weaker believers that don't have the same devotion to Jesus Christ, that are stumbled by, you know, by other things that, that maybe, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not willing to eat meat or they're not, you know, they get stumbled by certain kinds of music or they're concerned about, you know, uh, more trivial things in the church. And so it says, if you're strong, we ought to bear with the failings of the weak. So, as, as mature Christians, we ought to be willing to consistently love and, you know, and spend time and encourage, you know, those who are not as strong in their walk with Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean we're willing to leave them there. We're going to continue to encourage them, but it doesn't mean we disassociate with them and it doesn't mean we condemn them. It doesn't mean we're judgmental to them, right? We are strong, ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. It shouldn't be a self-serving exercise so that we can look at ourselves and say, well, wow, we're so strong, we're so mature, we're so wonderful. Look at how we, we just willingly put up with all you weak, silly, foolish, underdeveloped Christians. Obviously, that's not the heart of Jesus, right? We ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And obviously he's talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ that that we ought to look to encourage them, to build them up, to help them to grow in their walk. But we ought to do it for their good, not because we're looking for something, not because we're looking to build our ego, um, not because we're, you know, we're looking to show off. Right. 
Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Verse three, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And Paul is quoting uh, Psalm 69, nine now, and saying that, you know, even Jesus, you know, is, uh, you know, is, is, is he's quoting again the Psalms and that, you know, when, when, when God the Father was, you know, was, was being spoken of in a poor manner or a disrespectful manner, you know, th- those insults, you know, came on Jesus. And so just think about that, you know, when, you know, when your brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling or they're, or, or they're weak, do you take it upon yourself to go and, you know, not, uh, not please yourself or exalt yourself over them, but do you go there to serve them and to build them up and to love them and to encourage them? For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have, have fallen on me. Again, when people would speak poorly of God the Father, you know, that would be a grief uh, uh, on Jesus. And Jesus would, would take that and come up under that, right? Um, they, Jesus would rather have it come on him than on the Father. And that ought to be our attitude with, with, with those of us in the body of Christ, right? We ought to look to, you know, to shield and to bless and to, and to build up and to, to encourage those who are struggling or they're, they're, uh, they're not as mature, or they're weaker in their faith, right? Verse four is a very famous verse. It's one we've talked about in this ministry from the beginning. Um, it's one we talk about in many Bible studies. I mean, uh, we could start every sermon that, that ever, that's ever been preached with verse four in Romans 15. Romans 15, verse four, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So let's, let's break that down. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. You notice it doesn't say it was written just to tell us a good story. So Paul is referring to the Old Testament here. For us, all 66 books of the Bible, the Old and New Testament, obviously was all written in the past. And it's all here to teach us. The other version says to instruct us. When we read the Bible, we shouldn't just read it like we're reading a history book. We shouldn't read through it and read through the Gospels and be like, man, that's kind of a a cool story or an interesting story. Wow, that happened. You want to be looking for the principles in the scriptures, okay? Because it's not just there to entertain us. It's not there to inform us. It's not there to give us head knowledge. It's, It's there to teach us and instruct us. So when we look into the scriptures and we, 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 we look in, we see the principles of how, of how our heavenly father and how Jesus and how the Holy Spirit respond in certain situations, we learn the principles of how God works and then we adjust our lives accordingly, right? So for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance, right? Endurance is when that, you know, when we continue to press on, we continue to move forward in our walk with Jesus, even when it's hard. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So again, when we see, you know, in the scriptures, right? When we see throughout the Old Testament, how our heavenly father acted in dealing with his people, when we see his mercy, when we see his grace, when we see his love, when we see his relationship 
throughout the Old Testament. Then we turn over to the New Testament and we see how Jesus related to the people and the tremendous love that he poured out on the people. When you see how Jesus walked with his disciples, you can be sure that, that Jesus loves you all as much. And that gives you encouragement and that gives you hope, right? So that through endurance, through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, as we keep on spending time in the word of God, learning in these scriptures, that's why we do these teachings, right? Um, you know, we might have hope, right? We, we know as we continue to do this and we're encouraged in this, that our hope of eternal life, that our hope of a better hereafter, that our hope in faith of the faithfulness of Jesus and our heavenly father grows to be more and more and more, right? It's wonderful. Verse five, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Verse six, so that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there again, unity is a, is a, is a massive topic in the New Testament. Um, and it's interesting, Paul is wanting these Christians in Rome to walk in unity. As I said, the church church is a very fractured church. Now, you know, we, we have all the individual churches, the, 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 the individual denominations, and hopefully in our individual churches and ministries, we're working to have unity. We work hard in kingdom discipleship to have unity. We don't, we don't agree on everything, but, you know, we agree to disagree on, on, on non-essential matters. We agree on every essential doctrine, on, on all manners of, of, of sound, biblical, orthodox Christianity and doctrine, right? And we have to agree on the essentials. But on the non-essentials, we can agree to disagree and love one another and build one another up and even, even sacrifice and let other people have their way in non-essentials. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Father, I ask you to help us. I ask you to forgive us where we have not had this spirit of unity in the body of Christ. And I ask you to give us, Father, this spirit of unity among ourselves and in all the churches and all the denominations as we focus on following Jesus Christ, our Lord. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, the more unified we are, the, the, the more we're on the same page, the more glory we bring to our God and Father. A lack of unity and arguing and bitterness, um, being judgmental, being critical, acting in a superior way, um, you know, acting like, you know, we're better than everyone else. This does not bring glory to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us, Father, so that with one heart and mouth, Again, we ought to be on the same page, really, again, magnifying Jesus, walking with Jesus, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. And in this way, we glorify our Heavenly Father. Obviously, when we don't walk in this way, it's, it's, it's not glorifying and pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Hence why I prayed for him to forgive us, right? Verse 7. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So again, he's talking about, you know, let's be united in the church, okay? Let's let's come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, again, I'm not saying in any way we're going to comp compromise the scriptures. Again, we have to agree 
on the essentials. What are the essentials? There are many essentials. All human beings are sinful. That's an absolute uh, essential. All of us are hopeless, helpless, and desperate, headed to hell under the wrath of God. We need a savior and we are not it. We cannot save ourselves. Jesus Christ, God the Son, is our only hope. Only by trusting and receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior can we be forgiven of our sins, can we come into relationship with the triune God, and can we ultimately go to heaven when we die and be delivered from eternal hell. That is an absolute essential, okay? Everything that the Bible says is sin is absolute. That's not subjective, okay? These are not disputable things, all right? It's very plain in the scriptures. To lie is sin. Sexual sin of all kinds is sin. Adultery is sin, right? All of these things are sin. Fornication is sin, right? Homosexuality is sin. All these things are sexual sin, and we need to repent of any of the ways we're walking in in any of these sins, right? Stealing is a sin, right? Being prideful is sinful. These things are not debatable. We just need to agree on the plain teaching of the scripture. And as we were having Bible study this morning, um, you know, uh, you know, some of the guys were just talking about how it's just, it just seems impossible for us to get on the same page as a church, but it ought not to be. We all have the same Bible. Help us, Lord Jesus. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you, that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Verse eight, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews. Why? So again, Jesus came and when, when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus proclaimed that he came first for the lost sheep of Israel. He came first for the Jewish people. Now, the Jewish people rejected him, and the way was open for the Gentiles, which is anyone in the world that's not Jewish, to receive salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. But Paul is saying that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. What does that mean? The, the truth and the promises that God made to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus came to fulfill those promises that our heavenly father had made to the, you know, to the, to the fathers, to father Abraham, right? Father Isaac, father Jacob, to the patriarchs. So Jesus came to fulfill those promises that they are indeed true, made by God the father. You see it? For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth. So again, Jesus came to serve and die first for the Jewish nation. Now he died for the sins of the world, right? But Jesus was in fact Jewish in his humanity, right? To confirm the promises made to, to, to the patriarchs. God promised that, that he promised to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob that, you know, that the Messiah would come from, from their line and that there would, there would be nations that would be saved, okay? So it begins with the Jews, but then look at verse nine, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Again, when the Jews rejected, as we learned and as you know, we walked through in chapter 11, you know, the, the apostles began to go and, and preach to the Gentiles 
and, and the non-Jewish people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Again, mercy meaning that all humanity is sinful and glorify God in his mercy and opening our eyes and opening our hearts to understand the truth of our sin and the reality that the Savior has come, the Messiah has come, and that by putting our faith and trust and confidence in Jesus alone, we would be forgiven of our sin, we would be saved, and that we would go to heaven. So that the Gentiles, all those who are not Jewish, may glorify God for his mercy. And now Paul's going to quote several Old Testament scriptures to back up what he's saying. As it is written, now he's talking in 2 Samuel 22.5 and in Psalm 18.49. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. So Paul is now using the scripture. When what we see here, and we see it consistently in this book and in the entire New Testament, Paul clearly believes that the Old Testament is the authority. It's the word of God. We ought to have the same process. When we want to, when we want to prove something, we ought to point to it in our Bible. Okay. Our Bible is the ultimate proof. It's the foundation of all truth. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Verse 10. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. That's Deuteronomy 32, 43. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. That's Psalm 117, 1. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. Okay, and so again, this, this is a prophecy of Jesus, and that's Isaiah eleven ten Again, the root of Jesse will spring up, okay? The root of Jesse, and Jesus came from the line of David, right? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Bam! One who will arise to rule over the nations. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. The Gentiles will hope in him. So again, all this shows that Jesus came as a servant to the Jews, but, you know, to confirm the promises made to the Jewish fathers, but that, that God's glory would be that, that, that all nations, right? Abraham is the father, not only of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles, right? He's the one who, you know, believed in God and it was credited. He believed and trusted the word of God. And that belief, that faith was credited to him as righteousness. He was made right with God by faith. He's our spiritual father, just as we are made right with God, not by anything we do, but by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we too are credited with the righteousness of Jesus. It's incredible, right? So that perfect righteous life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth is credited to us as if we lived it and all of our sin, all of our sin, past, present, and future is credited to Jesus at the cross. That exchange is the, the heart of the Christian gospel. Yeah. All right. Verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Yes, Lord. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've said over and over as Christians, often we, we often we're able to trust Jesus, to trust our heavenly father with our sin. We trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. We'll trust Jesus for the next life. We'll trust Jesus for everything that's going to happen in the next life, but it's often hard for us to actively trust Jesus 
our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit with all the details of this life, right? To, 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 to truly have, have faith and confidence in Jesus for all the details in this life. My wife was just exhorting me of that not 40 minutes ago. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Father, yes, I ask you to fill us with all joy. At Bible study today, one of the guys was saying that, you know, man, he just, he doesn't have joy like he'd like. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Father, fill us with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Father, help us to trust in you. And we ask you to fill us with all joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us to overflow with hope. Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound great? Just that to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Okay. If you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, a year or two or three years, you too ought to be full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. It doesn't mean that, you know, you've done this for 25 years as I have, and you're necessarily going to be Bible teachers or, or scholars or theologians, but we, we ought to be pursuing Christ that in a way that, that just amongst ourselves, we ought to be able to have a daily lifestyle where, number one, full of goodness, but we ought to be complete in knowledge, meaning we understand the foundations of Christianity and competent to instruct one another. Okay. That's not that, you know, the, the, the minister, the preacher, the pastor, the teacher certainly has their position and their job, but all of us ought to be growing in Christ so that we are complete in the foundations of, of, uh, of the doctrines of Christianity and that we are competent to instruct one another, not only in what to believe and what the Bible teaches on, you know, again, the foundations of Christianity, but how to live. We ought to be instructing one another how to live in Jesus. Verse 15, I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me. Look at Paul says, this whole letter that he wrote, the immense knowledge he's saying, it's not because he's wonderful. It's not because he's superior. It's not because he's the smartest guy that he says God gave him the grace to, to write this letter, right? He understands it's not by him. He understands he's being, it's being inspired by the spirit of God, right? Remember, this is the word of God. So the spirit of God was, was, was inspiring these words, leading Paul what to write, right? And, he, and he's been bold. He's been forceful. The things that he's written have been, have been overwhelming, right? Verse 16, because of the grace God gave me, verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So again, Paul was not a priest, okay? Paul was an apostle, but again, he says that he was a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, meaning Paul would speak to Jews too, but that the majority of his work was, was to non-Jews, to Gentiles, with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. All of us have the priestly duty, okay? Not just ministers, priests, you know, not just church leaders. We all have this priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news, 
that Jesus became a man, lived a perfect life on our behalf, died a torturous death on our behalf, and has been raised from the dead with the priestly duty of proclaiming the good news, the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God. Our lives as Christians ought to be a consistent offering, a, a, a sacrificial offering in the way we live, in the way we worship, in the way we love, in the way we're devoted to Jesus and our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Again, we cannot do anything in ourselves all of this comes, all of our walk with Jesus comes as we cooperate and are sanctified by the Holy Spirit, as we work to be more and more like Jesus. Sanctified means to, be, to become more and more like Jesus, and that comes in and through cooperating with the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Wow. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we... Uh, we ask you to help us, Father, to be of one mind and of one heart. Again, I ask you to forgive us our lack of unity. Help us each to, to, to not, not carry ourselves in a prideful or superior way. Help us to bear with the failings of the weak and, and not to please ourselves, but to look to please our neighbor, whoever is near us, for, for their good, Father. Father, we love you and bless you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.